Welcome to Rise with Hope, Hope Sheds Light's weekly podcast. Join us as we tackle the real issues, share actual stories, offer a little strength, and provide a whole lot of hope to families and our loved ones impacted by addiction. Welcome. I'm Pam, and this is Rise with Hope. Thank you for joining us. I'm really excited today. I have my first interview, and there's no one better to start our series off with than Mr. Steve Willis. Many of you know Steve. He's one of the co-founders um, of Hope Sheds Light. I'm going to read a bio about Steve, um, which is comical, yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> because he's all of this and none of this all at the same time. But Steve Willis is the founder and managing partner of Willis and Gress- Gressick. Gressick, yes. Willis and Gressick PC, a general practice law firm. While he specializes in the areas of criminal law, Mr. Willis focuses much of his personal practice on substance abuse and addiction-related crimes. And he's amazing at that. I know personally. Mm -hmm. Um, His specialty is born out of his own experience with his son, Mark, who suffered for years from the disease of addiction. And we're definitely going to get into that a little bit with Steve today. Mr. Willis is also the co-founder of Hope Sheds Light. <clears throat> Does anyone call you Mr. Willis? Just asking. I hope not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Mr. Willis is the co-founder of Hope Sheds Light, a grassroots nonprofit organization dedicated to educating families about the disease of addiction by creating awareness, providing resources, and instilling hope to support a healthier community. And what an amazing organization he has built. Mr. Willis has presented many lectures before the medical community teachers, the juvenile justice system, students, and school administrators, parent groups, business leaders, you name it, Mr. Willis has Hmm. presented. And you know why that is, because substance abuse does not discriminate. It affects um, all people at every level of our society, every sector. And so you'll always see Steve uh, out and about raising awareness, educating, providing support, resources, and just generating a groundswell of information related to uh, the services that Hope Sheds Light provides and um, educating people about stigma and how stigma becomes a barrier to treatment and just sharing his experience, strength, and hope and with the emphasis on hope. But let me finish his biography. His goal is to, develop, is to develop a collaborative and integrated approach to effectively address substance abuse that combines medical, legal, educational, and spiritual components to achieve rehabilitation. Mr. Willis is a member of the New Jersey Bar Association and the American Bar Association. He graduated summa cum laude from Montclair University <laughs> and received his JD degree as a valedictorian from Seton Hall University School of Law. I didn't know that about you. How about that? Huh? <laughs> Welcome, Steve. <laughs> well, thank you, Pam. Thanks Who, for I kn- always knew you were brilliant, but I just didn't <laughs> realize how brilliant. Thank <laughs> you. I was proud of that, actually. I worked pretty hard for that. But that, uh, yeah. So thank you for joining me today. Um, I want to talk to you briefly about, uh, you know, what, what brought you to um, the field. Mm-hmm. I know it relates to your son and his story, and I, I don't know how many of our audience members are familiar with your story. Can we start there? We can. I'd love to. Yeah. My son's name is Mark, and the first 12 years of our life together was absolutely wonderful. I mean, he was a beautiful boy, and there was school and sports and church, and it was, and it was great. 
And but at age 13, it's like a switch was thrown and all hell broke loose in my house. He started just doing all kinds of drugs, bringing drugs into the house um, be between marijuana and alcohol and pills and inhalants. And I told him to stop and he wouldn't stop. And I had been a good dad up to that point because when I asked him to do certain things, he did it, right? And I mentioned he was involved in all these activities and when he started doing drugs, all of a sudden, not only did, 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 did his behavior change, but of course his attitude changed. He dropped out of the um, sporting events. He wouldn't come to church with us anymore. He, he just got very angry. And then, um, is, was this kind of your first bird's eye view of what addiction shows up like in there's no own. question because i didn't know what i was looking at first right. i just thought he was a defiant young teenager he's 13 I, I thought we'd have some difficulties but not this and when i tried all the things that a parent would do between grounding him to um, trying to discipline um, none of it worked mm -hmm. and it was really really scary pam i have to say because um, I had never seen this before. I mean, my dad was in recovery as an alcoholic, but he stopped drinking when I was about two, as the story goes. Right. So I, I never, and we never talked about that, right? right. And then and then he died too soon. My we dad. didn't talk about the, those things back yeah, then, right? Did, Especially and, not alcoholism. So the, so the more I tried and the less it worked, Mark was getting sicker and I was getting sicker too because I was so concerned about him. And as a man and as an attorney, I fix things, or mm -hmm. so I thought. And I was trying to fix him by doing things that were in this feeble brain of mine, right? right? And when that didn't work, I started to panic. And it, and it required me, though, to find the reason why he was doing these things. Mm -hmm. So I, I started investigating, you know, addiction and substance abuse. Right. And, and then I um, thought about my family history with my dad in recovery and... I started thinking about Mark's family history, his birth mother. It brings you on this journey, doesn't it? It does. It just takes you on this family yeah. history. It's like yeah. our own ancestor.com. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, journey. So. <clears throat> but, I, you know, I know a little bit of your story, so I'm going to ask mm -hmm. you. There came a point um, where you did something, an intervention that's yeah. controversial. You've been, you know, questioned about about the approach <laughs> in public <laughs> more than once. Um right. And it's controversial now because there's mm. this ongoing debate uh, around, you know, what does enabling look like versus support and tough love. And yeah. it's all, you know, new, new pathways and new approaches versus some of the more standard typical pathways. So right. I want you to um, share with our audience the step you took. Thanks, Pam. Mm -hmm. I mean, I tried the traditional, quote, approaches and what people call the loving approaches. I said to my son, when I realized that he was abusing drugs, I said, you need some counseling. He said, no, I don't. I said, yes, you do. So I brought him to counselors and he walked out. I drove him to facilities and he jumped out of the car. Yeah. I couldn't keep him at the place because I was just me. I was just dad. Right. There was no consequence that I could effectuate that he would follow. So I'm so glad you brought that up because... At that That's point. what we hear, right? That's what we hear in our parent groups. We hear, yeah. okay, I tried your your method, um, but what do I do? Chain him to the bed? Like he's not well, listening to yeah. me. Yeah. So and ahead, I can't sorry. kick him out of the house because he's 13. Right. You know, right. 13, 14. So I prayed a lot. I said, like, what's the answer? 
And what came to me is that I was going to use a tool that was in front of me. I didn't quite know how to use it. I didn't know what the result was going to be. But I ended up pressing charges against my son. And I didn't even practice criminal law at that point, by the way. I started it with him. I was surprised to see that because I thought you, I did think that you started with a different, no. you know, yeah. area of specialty. I was an environmental attorney. <laughs> I thought that and then this I got a little bored with you. that and then God blessed me with Mark. <laughs> and all of a sudden I said, well, let's see what this legal system can do. And the point of it was not to punish him. The point of it was simply to get his attention because mm -hmm. I couldn't. Mm -hmm. My reasoning was, I thought, somewhat simple. I said, if I can't affect change in my home, maybe a judge can. So I went, so in pressing charges against him, I had to hire an attorney and the attorney looked at me like I was out of my mind and I, some people still do. <laughs> the, I said, what I'd like you to do, I first said this to the attorney, is to help give my son a choice because I love him. The choice should be jail or treatment. Mm -hmm. And he really looked at me. He said, that makes no sense to me. He didn't have a child like I had. He didn't have the chaos like I had. And I explained to him, all I want to do is get Mark's attention and make him willing to change. Because change only happens when people are willing, right? Right. So the attorney said, I have to listen to my client. I said, your client's pretty crazy at this point. <laughs> so anyway, we went to court. And I explained, I raised my hand and talked to the judge. She said, what, Mr. Willis? I said, your honor, this is what's happening in my home. And I explained the things that I just explained to our audience here. I can't make Mark get well. And she said, Mr. Wills, I can't fix your son. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said, no, I understand that judge, but you can structure him. If you put him on probation, I said to her, and he doesn't do what you tell him to do on probation, namely get help, what will you do? She said, well, I'll put him in jail. I said, exactly. And she said, you want him to go to jail? I said, not for a moment. Right. I love him. Right. I just don't want him to die. And the judge asked my son, all right, Mark, what's it? She'd never heard that, that approach before. She said, Mark Willis, what's it going to be, jail or treatment? And he told her he had a God-given right to get high. <laughs> well, that was embarrassing. Oh, my God. They have a way of doing that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, she, so she put my 14-year-old into the detention center, and I cried a lot. And I wondered, what did I do? But what happened is that Mark just didn't like where he was. Right. He was uncomfortable, finally. There was a consequence that he didn't want to experience. So I said, Mark, what are you prepared to do? And he said, well, I'll, I'll go to outpatient, but I'm not going to residential. So he's still picking and choosing instead mm -hmm. of just being humble enough to say, I'm a sick guy. I'll do what I should do, what other people say. But finally, he, that, he was there for a couple of weeks, and he said, all right, I'll go to treatment. Mm -hmm. So that was the catalyst for him. That was the catalyst, though. And, and did he have a period of um, healthy recovery in that time after well, that? What happened was he went to this 45-day program, mm -hmm. Brattleboro Retreat. It was in Vermont, for God's sakes. How I, how I got there, it was all a part of insurance. Mm -hmm. I didn't we'll know where there. to go. Yeah, yeah. And, we'll, and we'll get there. We'll get but there. he did great for 45 days. And the day he got out and came back home, he got high. And at first I thought, well, that program sucks, but it wasn't the program I learned as I'm learning all about this. It was right. just Mark's willingness or unwillingness to change. So um, he, but to answer that question though, Pam, directly, while he was structured by the legal system, mm -hmm. he did get better. Mm -hmm. He did stop using, did 
did his attitude and actions completely change? The answer is no. Well, it's hard too because you're dealing with adolescents at the same time, and their developmental right. tasks include rebellion, yeah, and you know, and separating from their family of origin and right. trying on different hats. So there's right. all this confusion, just with a basic, you know, journey through adolescence. You right. know, layer in addiction, and you really, you know, how do you differentiate between the two? It's really hard. Exactly. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't want to short shorten your story mm -hmm. i just want to get to some of the um, pieces of your story that i know right. um, can help our audience and you know part of that includes so you you took this big risk you engaged the legal system ultimately it it wrapped some structure around your son and led to a period i think of um recovery it for did. him it did yes until right. he was a little older correct? until he was a little older and the legal system really wasn't involved mm -hmm. and he was in his in his you know mid-20s 23 24 at that point but the use started again mm -hmm. and um he wouldn't engage in any in any kind of treatment whether it be individual or you know residential wouldn't go to fellowship meetings wouldn't right he just didn't really want to change he mark was this amazing soul who really felt better altered right. and that's and and that i think was you know my gift as much as i miss my son mm -hmm. mark felt better when he was under the influence of some substance which didn't make him healthier and didn't help him be productive um the way i defined it and ultimately uh Ultimately, he died. So I, I hear the age 13, 14, hear the age mid-20s. Mid At mm -hmm. what point during that 10-year or plus journey did you start to find some uh, support for yourself? Where did you have that aha moment where I, where you realized, wait a minute, I got to fix me oh, in, I sure did. in all of this? I was a, I was a nut. <laughs> I, I got so freaking sick, Pam. When Mark was 16, like really when he was 16, I, I tried my way for the first year, 13 to 14. None of that worked. Then I started using the legal system. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, he's going to be fixed now. He's going to treatment. And when that didn't work, I was confused. And I said, wait a minute. And then I, I, I just kept focusing on my son and not focusing on my dear wife and not focusing on my daughter, Emily and not even focusing on the people I serve as an attorney. I was an emotional and spiritual mess. Mm -hmm. And it was that time when I thought, saw my whole life falling apart, wondering if my son is gonna make it or not, realizing that I'm not taking care of the very things that I should be taking care of, that I had power to take care of. First me, right. and then my, my ability to respond, right? Mm -hmm. To this craziness that I went into the rooms. I, I went into an Al-Anon room um, and I wanted the Al-Anon folks to fix my son. That's why I thought I was there because I didn't know about them either. They <laughs> said, give me, you know, give me, give me a plan. Tell me what to do to fix him. Right. And they didn't answer the, they didn't give me that plan to fix my son. So I didn't like him at first. <laughs> yeah. And then they finally were patient enough with me to realize that I could only fix me. And the plan that came from Al-Anon was to help me fix myself. 
And it was incredibly powerful and important because when I started to change, when I started to get less crazy, when I started to <laughs> love my wife again, mm -hmm. honor her and my daughter again, and be a good attorney again, I told my son that I was going to get better. And I, and I said, I'm going to do this, watch this, because I wanted him to follow me. I wanted him to recover also. And thank God I did learn to recover early on. Mm -hmm. the, the big question that people asked me there is said, Steve, what will you do? Like, are you only happy if your son is like sober? Right. And the answer at first was, well, yeah. So we explored that, um, the codependency piece. And then I had to ask myself, what can I be happy if my son keeps using? Can I still be well if he dies? And the answer was yes, thank God. Right. So I think there's some um, misconception in that statement by the general public that I'm going to drill into a little bit. I don't know how much time we have, but I'm, I'm going to try to get you out of here on time. Um, it's not necessarily that that's your choice and your extreme happy state. Right. But you shifted, it seems like, in your internally, and in you're thinking about how do I protect the other pieces of my life? Right. You know, uh, while I'm going through this, how do I shift the dynamic so that everything in my life isn't consumed by this? And maybe I get everything in my life, other things in my life to a good place. And while this is still kind of coexisting at right. the same time. I think that's an excellent point. Though. When I decided to get healthy, I told Mark, I said, Mark, you keep doing what you're doing. If that's what you want to do. I love you. I never stopped telling him I love him. Mm hmm. If you're ever ready to change, I'll be here. If you ever want some advice, I'll give that to you. But I won't offer it anymore unless you ask. Okay. But I'm going to go this this way, I told him. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, and I actually turned. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go hug your mom. I'm going to, I'm going to go on a date with, you know, with your sister. And because I want them to be healthy too. So I think some people think when you do that, like you forget and you don't want to, you know, even think about you know, the loved one. That's not so. Right. You know, I just, I just, my life and my family's existence, including Mark, is incredibly important to me. It's mm -hmm. my blessing. Right. And I needed to honor that and hope along the way that Mark would decide that he wanted to be well. And he just, he just never decided that. Yeah. So I'm going to pivot a little bit. Um, you took your experiences mm -hmm. and you, uh, from my perspective, started to look for larger, bigger purpose and meaning in the, um, in the, in the experience that God presented to you, right? What you started to dig in there and say, what's in this, you know, where's my lesson in here? Where's the silver lining? Where, right. where's the hope? Uh, and you emerged before hope sheds late, I believe, um, in dedicating your time and what you learned to support other families through the legal system. Exactly right. Yeah, long you know, long before Hope Sheds Light. Mm -hmm. This journey of mine is really for 25 years now. Mm -hmm. And it was after the first year when I started to share my experience that I just shared a little bit of with the community. Right. And that wasn't a very popular thing to do from my family's perspective. They said, what are you going to tell everybody about this for? I said, because if addiction is in our family, then it 
could be in other people's families too. In fact, I know it is. And if anything that I'm doing with the legal system uh, and with, with the changes that I'm making personally and spiritually can help, then I will do that. So that's why I started talking and giving all these, all these talks to different communities, uh, um, you know, different segments of the communities. Yeah, I feel like, um, and I, it's a theme, and I know we're going to hear from the other founders, and it's a theme with them that the, the healthcare system or the behavioral healthcare system, didn't adequately address all of the needs for, especially for adolescent mm-hmm. uh, diagnosed with substance use disorder. So it, you leveraged your knowledge and the resource of the legal system to kind of stretch it into filling some of the gaps that you experienced, I believe, I did. in trying to help your, your son. I did. And that's a better way, I think, to frame what you did than you had my kid locked up. <laughs> well, I think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what people that's think I do. That's my gift to you today, you Steve. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's awesome. Though. That's what some people think. Steve Willis just wants people to go to jail. That's not, that's, that's right. not so at all. <laughs> right. And some of my colleagues will say, you know, we're moving away so from funny. that. We there we shouldn't it shouldn't be uh, punitive and i agree with them a, a thousand percent but well, i'm also too. yeah but we're rooted in this system that um doesn't adequately yeah. meet the needs so you as a parent you reached out to right. what you knew i knew very well that mark wasn't going to get treatment in, j- in you know in jail mm-hmm. um and that addiction gets properly addressed through medical and psychological intervention which is not in jail correct and that's why this whole war on drugs years ago lock them up for a long time that'll fix them it never did and it never will right Long-term but your child was you know alive and kicking in the moment well, he was. And you had to address so, what was available right. to you so going into this and using the legal system as i have for all these years the jail is not a therapeutic place except maybe the first day <laughs> when a person goes in and the door locks, and all of a sudden, choices are limited. And that, from what I've been told by my son, mm-hmm. but I've been told by thousands of other people, that got their attention. And that's all I ever want to do. Right. The legal system, for me, is one tool simply to love a person enough to say, hey, for at least this, this, this day or this week, you're not going to kill yourself. Right. And I really hope you don't like where you are. <laughs> and if you want to change that, then let's change it in a very positive and uh, appropriate way. Let's just get into treatment and then focus. Right. Right. So you have a, you have a unique approach. Yeah. Um, I know personally that you helped support me and my family uh, when we were you know, up against it with a legal issue related to <laughs> dr- drug right. use. Right. And um, you have the utmost amount of respect from judges across the entire state uh, related to this issue. And when you come in, it's unorthodox because, you know, you could just go after what you can legally get, Mm -hmm. you know, fight for and are skilled at. But you try to create this hybrid scenario where you take into consideration what the treatment needs are of your clients and you coach and or advise them in a way that is good for them legally, but also mutually right. really good for what they need in term and their families in terms of uh, treatment and behavioral health needs. Yeah. That is um, a gift to 
uh, it was a gift to me uh, personally, Thank and you. it's a gift to our community. If from that, uh, you Hope Sheds Light was created. Hope Sheds Light was created, yes. Hope so, Sheds Light's really a, a, just an amazing and exceptional um, extension of what I've been doing just individually for a long time. Mm -hmm. And Hope was the original idea of Ron, like, you know, my, my dear friend and co-founder. His son, Mark, had died. Um, maybe six months before or so, he approached me and said, Steve, can you help me start a nonprofit? And I'm thinking I'm so busy doing what I'm doing. But I said, sure, yeah. What? And his idea was at first to create a website, which neither one of us knew how to do, but a website that listed resources that are available, treatment resources available for people. Because he, he said to me, Steve, did you have any idea what you were doing all those years ago with Mark? Did you know where to go? What kind of treatment was available? I said, no. Right. Frankly, it was a shit show is what it was. I didn't, know, I didn't know what I was doing. So the original idea of Hope was to create this list. And, it, and, and, and we look at it, and I'm proud of it. And it's, it, it consists of facilities that I've um, worked with over these years, these 25 years, and um, people have, you know, gotten good results. We vet them mm -hmm. with, you know, with, you know, with your help because you're so wonderful <clears throat> and it's, and, and, and it expanded from there. So it, it certainly, Hope is certainly not just a website, but it's, it's, um, we developed a helpline. Um, and as you say, I went out and ran around and talked well, to everybody you're about Mr. it. Hope. Well, you're Mr. Hope. You're Mr. Hope Sheds Light. You are. <clears throat> Which... and, you know, and, and, it, and, and I'm very proud of it. It's probably the one of the best things I've ever done in my life, hope, because it, you know, we get to love people in the right way and educate not just individuals, but of course the families right. who like me get so sick and want to be well. And uh, that's our blessing. Yeah. I mean, there, that's kind of, for me, what was attractive about Hope Sheds Light is understanding the majority of the people impacted by substance use disorder and addiction are the family members. That's right. 90% of people who need treatment don't get it. Only 10% get Correct. treatment. Right. So that 90% is home with us mm -hmm. on a 10 year journey, of, mm -hmm. you know, roller coaster ride. And as family members, we have a traumatic impact. We, you know, we have PTSD. We develop unhealthy relationship patterns and skills. We lose mm -hmm. marriages and homes and cars and, you know, we, sure do. we lose sight of everything. And so I felt like, Hope Sheds Light was there to support the overwhelming majority of people impacted by substance use disorder. Right, right. Um, and, you know, Rise with Hope was started because of another epidemic or pandemic mm -hmm. through the coronavirus shutdown in New Jersey. We all got together and decided to daily, you know, reach out to our audience through Facebook and share our self-care practices. Right. What can you share with our audience today? If, if, if there are parents listening to us who are in the throes of this with their children or, or a spouse or a grandmother, <clears throat> what, what can you share with them in terms of a, a self-care practice that you used, if you can remember, once you started to step back, get that shift and take a breath, what, what did you use to help yourself through those times? I asked for help. <laughs> That's what I did. And um, that takes courage. It does. Because we don't, we think we can fix things. And we, and it's embarrassing to ask for help. But 
my self-care practice really back then and it it's the same today to practice you know humility and humbleness and realize what I can do and what I can't do and reaching out for help calling our calling our helpline letting our recovery coaches um, guide guide you coming to our family support meetings even virtually right now right mm-hmm. um, I needed to know that I wasn't alone because when I was alone and trying to fix this, I did. I, I, got, I got so overwhelmed, and then it affected in a negative way every aspect of my life. When I reached out for help, and when I stopped talking and started listening, I started to learn about what this 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 disease is, and what my what impact it was having on me, but also what I could do to change. Right. And the best way I was taught to help my son was to get better myself and show recovery as an example to him. So the self-care practice is that. It's always staying humble, but it's also um, um, engaging in gratitude each day, looking around me and seeing all the blessings that I do have, Um, and um, keeping a connection with people who are healthy. Make sense? Yeah, that's great. <clears throat> so as Rise with Hope evolves, uh, we want to create a platform for people to share their experiences, ask their questions. Mm-hmm. You're touching on stigma a little bit, right. you're using the word, but you're touching on stigma. One of the other things that Hope Sheds Light did for the community was change the face of addiction. Uh, we have you and Ron and Arvo, pillars of the community, not your typical face uh, that's promoted out there online and in right. newspapers and, you know, in the media. So you helped shift the local perception of what addiction looks like. I hope so. And uh, we want this show to continue. We can't break the stereotypes and address stigma and reduce it if we're not able to ask the real questions, the real questions on our heart. Uh, and I... I know how important that is because I come from the professional side mm-hmm. and there's a lot of um, misconception on that end about what p- parents go through and what their needs are because it's research-based and I'm not minimizing that, but it's, it's not, it's <laughs> not we're not getting the, the we're not soliciting That's the right. proper information from the people with, you know, boots on the grounds and hearts out, out on their sleeves. Agreed. So. With Rise with Hope, we want to have, you know, we set up an email address. It's rise at hopesheadslight.org. We want people to email us. We want their questions. We want their stories. We, we need to hear from them. And we want to address them in a compelling way. Um, so I'm inviting you, and I hope you accept, to, to co-host <laughs> oh. segments with me when we, when we open those emails and we read the questions and we engage our audience I would really like to do that with in partnership with you so we can co-host respond you know kind of like a team i'll use my my experience both personally and professionally and and same with you uh and answer these questions and then maybe bring in mm-hmm. and challenge people that are setting our systems of care in place and developing programs and and let them hear and listen to our audience, what they have to say, what they've lived through. But I would like our audience to hear from you. 
Are you willing to do that? I would be honored to. Yay. It is a dream come true for me. And I and I'm really grateful for you, Pam. <laughs> um, I've, I've, I think I've done good work in these years, but it's the, you know, the impact. Um, it's not been all that limited. I think we've touched an awful lot of people, but with your help and with your genius and with your love, we're going to help or at least attempt to help a great many more people. So I'm really very grateful and I, and I can't wait to do this with you. Well, we're just two geniuses. How about that? I know. <laughs> Sitting really at the mic. Good. <laughs> Self-proclaimed. <laughs> well, somebody's got to. Exactly. You know? <laughs> How can our greatness go undetected for so long? <laughs> good thing we're stable. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it. Unless you have anything else you'd like to add to this segment. No, thank you. This is this has been a joy, though. Thanks for having me here. And uh look forward to the next time. Oh, so do I. Um, Thank you, audience, for joining us. Don't forget to email me at rise at hopeshedslight.org. I look forward to your stories, your input, your comments, uh, and I'll see you next time. Thanks. If you'd like to support Hope Sheds Light, you can visit us at hopeshedslight.org and join our circle of hope. Remember, we want to hear from you. Share your stories with us. You can reach us at rise at hopeshedslight.org. Till next time.